2: This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We are happy to have you back for the first regular season podcast of the 2017 season. That's right, the NASL season is off and running, uh, and we have a lot to digest, so let's not waste any time uh, on the podcast with us this evening or this morning, whenever you're listening. Is Omar at Omar, how you doing, pal? It's a two-man show, and this
0: is the first regular season podcast, because we're not counting last week's Dumpster Fire.
2: Yes, no. Uh, so, <laughs> let's not even mention it again. Anyway... Well, um, Matt, how are you way, doing? We, I'm doing well, thank you, Omar. I feel like I, I don't generally get to answer that, but I guess since we're yeah. a two-man show... We can kind of stretch out and enjoy ourselves a little bit. huh? I was going
0: to say, man, I was going to say, I know we we talked a little bit beforehand. He said you've been a little disconnected from the soccer world today. Absolutely crazy in the soccer world today, the amount of friendlies that we had. I don't know if you've got to take a look at some of the really crazy lopsided scorelines.
2: I have not. The only thing I'm aware is that Argentina lost uh, at altitude. That's kind of the an one altitude. score I'm aware
0: of. Yeah, I, You know what? It's crazy. And, and I did some research, actually, because we were talking about that before the show. And I was wondering, how high is Bolivia's like stadium, apparently? And I guess it was an issue where the Bolivian Soccer Federation sued FIFA because FIFA has a mandate yes. that games can't be played above a certain altitude. And they had to get special designation to play their games there. No wonder everybody's pissed off.
2: Yeah, if I recall, it's about 11,000 feet up. Um, That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, That's twice as high as Denver. That's crazy. Yeah,
2: it's two miles up basically. So Jesus. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a home field advantage. And being without um, Lionel Messi for his suspension, uh, I'm not surprised that Argentina came out of there with a loss, even though Bolivia is not exactly a uh, South American powerhouse. If, if they could somehow get a World Cup only in Bolivia, uh, I think they might end up winning, wind up winning the whole thing. Um, <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so they're going to be putting in their bids for 2026, the <laughs> South American Bolivia World Cup, that nobody will sponsor, but you never... You know what though? If what? Oh man, you know what I'm blanking on? I'm blanking on the gold FIFA head's name, the guy that got thrown out. Oh, God, what was his name? Oh, Sepp Blatter. Sepp Blatter, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say Jack Warner, but I know he was the CONCACAF official. No. Sepp Blatter, if Seth Blatter was in charge, if Bolivia paid enough money, you know they could probably host it.
2: Yeah, I'm telling you, if, if uh, Evo Morales, I think he's the president of Bolivia still, um, or Ecuador, I, might, I sometimes mix them up. But, um, but yeah, that would be interesting to see a, all at altitude, a bunch of players just collapsing in the middle of the field.
0: Um, I was going to tell you, what's the, what's the craziest, before we jump into our, our normal Miami FC stuff here, I want to change it up and throw a little change up at you. What's the craziest yeah. scoreline in soccer, at least the soccer matches you've watched or you've heard of, uh, of really like a lopsided game?
2: Oh, well, to me, the definitive answer to that is Germany 7, Brazil 1. I think that's the in a, in a, in a World Cup knockout match in a semifinal match. Uh, I remember my story about that. I'm, I'm sure if some of you may have heard me tell this before because I, I find it interesting. I was actually with my family during that game. We were traveling um, from Ocean City, Maryland, to Baltimore, Maryland. And if you know anything about the eastern shore of Maryland, and why would you? But if you know anything about it, it's very rural. Um, and so the cell phone reception is very spotty. So I was hoping to watch the match through ES, watch ESPN, but basically I couldn't. So I, I would I couldn't even get score updates for fifteen or twenty minutes at a time. And so I basically just turned off my phone. I'm like, whatever. I'll find the score out once we get back to civilization. And I I did manage to cell phone reception like after about forty five minutes,
3: mm-hmm. and I
2: saw the score was five nothing. And I assumed <laughs> that ESPN it, no it was five nothing after thirty minutes. I did get after 30 minutes of gameplay, and I assumed that ESPN's app was broken. I mean, I that's did, a safe I, assumption. Yeah. No, like, I would just be a assume, oh, assumption every day. Something yeah. must be malfunctioning. Don't um, re- go, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, so but, d- I still tell people that's – I've never had – I'm not a Brazil fan. I'm not a Germany fan, but I don't think I've ever had my confidence shaken more than when I saw that because it's just something that I didn't think could happen. It's just like, oh, the sky turned pink one day. Yeah, okay, that's weird. They're like that's that's well, supposed to happen. So that that that's my story about that is kind of thinking it was an error and then realizing that just life was in an error at, at that time.
0: But let's look at how crazy this is today. For those of you that like to follow world soccer or find yourself to be soccer aficionados across, you know, the globe and, and, and different leagues and different teams, I follow Asian Cup qualifying. I actually follow Asian uh, qualifying for the World Cup as well. My family's heritage is Lebanese on one side. So, you know, every four years, I would like to hope that Lebanon would qualify for the World Cup. And every four years, I am severely disappointed that they don't. However, in today's Asian Cup qualifying, the country of Oman, not Omar, not O-M-A-R, Oman, O-M-A-N, beat the country of Bhutan 14-0. to 0. Wow. 14-0. to 0.
2: That's clinical. Dude. I was just, in front of the net's clinical.
0: I mean, realistically speaking, you would have never have found a bet maker to give you an over-under of probably 7, 8. I, at that point, their odds are just like, yeah, we're not going to give that. Imagine you found some sucker. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you an over-under of 12, and I'll, you know, freaking, let's say uh, 10,000 to 1. and you just laid a dollar. Just just a dollar. Oh, man, you'd be rich.
2: Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, fourteen to nothing. That's a that's a that's a pretty okay football score. Um,
3: right. American and football American score. Football. Right. Yeah, you know,
2: kind of a defensive battle right at the end. The team gets a second touchdown to put it away, uh, and and defense carries the day. But yeah, uh, I it, it, I feel like there there are a lot of like missing gems in those Asian, um, in those Asian qualifying matches because there are some. Countries with some qualification there. that you, I mean, North Korea qualified for the World Cup out of Asia. So, you know, Listen, if, if you imagine the resources that, I mean, and look, I know they're undefeated and they win every game. Yeah, they win every World nothing, Cup. But still.
0: Um, and but they yeah. terrify me because I'm lo- I am was looking at Lebanon's group uh, for this upcoming Asian Cup qualifier. And North Korea is in it. Uh, Lebanon beat Hong Kong today 2-0. And if I'm not mistaken, Malaysia uh, is the fourth team in that group. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, the way Asian Cup qualifying works is that um, certain countries that qualify for the final round of the World Cup uh, through Asian nations automatically qualify for the Asian Cup in 2019. Um, And everybody who's left over, who who didn't make the final round of qualifying, uh, are are set into six groups of four. The top two from each group will go ahead and qualify for the asian cup so i 'm looking at lebanon 's chances and i 'm thinking, well, if you can sneak past Malaysia and you really only have to deal with North Korea, which is crazy in itself that i 'm saying that out loud, eh, you have a good shot of, of, of qualifying for the asian cup in uh at, in uh the emirates in twenty nineteen
2: that 's interesting i I think uh Lebanon is now the official uh Asian region uh team of magic city soccer i mean oh man don't say that i know you're We're going printing out we're gonna be printing out some lebanese kids here in a second <laughs> we're gonna have yeah giant cedar trees on the back of the next uh, <laughs> well done
0: sir i'm impressed miami
2: fc oh i'm i am i i'm uh i would like to say a wealth of knowledge but I, I like to describe myself as like a reflecting pool it's very wide not that deep don't ask me a second lebanon thing but i can give you one lebanon thing
0: now we got to see um, what you were good. I was gonna say, especially with Asian qualifying, and we're not gonna dwell on this much longer because now it's been seven minutes of Asian of, of Asian, you know, FIFA qualifying, and I feel like everybody's gonna be like, "All right, dude, get on with it." But Australia uh, made the federation jump not too long ago, leaving the Oceania region. If sorry if I mispronounce that Oceania, Oceania, uh, and moved into the Asian qualifying because they were essentially automatic. You know qualification every time, um, and they would make every World Cup because their strongest competitor was New Zealand. And yeah. since they have you know removed themselves, I don't think Oceania has an automatic qualifier position anymore into the World Cup directly. I think they have to play a playoff game, an intercontinental playoff game, in order to get in. Believe it or not.
2: That's interesting. Ah, wow, wealth a wealth of no- international football knowledge here, Omar. Hey, man, a- it
0: was a huge friendly day. I
2: told you. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, so let's uh, bring it back uh, from from halfway around the world back to Dade County, uh, and let's talk about it's the start about of right the there. NASL season. Um, Miami FC earned a draw uh, against North Carolina FC, again, the artist formerly known as the Carolina Railhawks, Hawks. And if you go to Miami FC's website and look at the Match Center, they are still identified as the Carolina Railhawks with their logo, which I think is a wonderful troll. Uh, Why ever change it? Please, whoever runs Miami FC's website, do not ever change it. Um, But, yeah, so I feel like there's a lot to digest, a lot more than normal from, like, say, a 1-1 draw. I don't think it was a boring 1-1 draw. I know a lot of the scoring was basically done after the 20th minute, uh, much to Omar's lamentation. Oh, God. but i i think that there there's a lot of there's some bad cuz it's the first game of the season of course there's going to be some stuff to nitpick but i actually was kind of encouraged by this game um uh, you know what i'll 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 bite my tongue first omar why don't you lead off with what you're seeing what you're seeing from this um uh, and then i'll kind of i'll follow up after so you
0: so i too much. I was in Orlando over the weekend, so I I wasn't here. I didn't attend the watch party, and and I caught the game roughly around the 20th minute mark. Um, And, and of course, after all the goals were scored, go figure. Um, One thing I noticed was as soon as I started looking at who was wearing the kits for Miami FC, uh, and I assumed there hadn't been any subs made as of that point, um, I noticed two notable absences. I said, oh, where's Michelle, and where's Blake Smith? Because I noticed when I started looking, I said, okay, we have Kisira, uh playing left-back. If I wasn't mistaken, yeah, he was playing left-back. And I also noticed that Dylan Mars had cracked the starting at 11. And again, no knock to Dylan Mars. You know, he is going to be a fan favorite here f- for years to come, should he stay. Um, and he is definitely a quality midfielder. However, I just it's not the name that you expected to see on opening night. And then I started looking at who was left on the bench. And I also noticed that on the bench, I guess, Michelle. And Blake Smith didn't make the trip. And part of me wonders if the only reason why they wouldn't have made the trip has been if they had picked up that weird viral flu that had been going around South Florida where, you know, you're just coughing your lungs out and you're really not in any shape to run. Um, But the game, a lot of people were saying that you know, made comments that Pino looked timid. Pino looked unsure of himself. Listen, Pino scored a goal every game this preseason for the most part. So the thought, the thought process that he was timid or unsure or he wasn't a hundred percent, I'm going to disregard that completely. Um, I think we saw a great, I think we saw a strong cohesion in the back four. Um, obviously. Brett and Mason uh, were sitting in the back as normal, and the two guys are going to be locking up the middle. And at the same time, I thought, actually, you know what? I take that back. Brett Bernstein also didn't play.
3: Huh. Interesting.
0: Right. So we had Freeman playing center back. Was that correct? Yeah, right, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, you see, this is what Uh, I'm saying. I didn't watch the game from the beginning.
2: (laughs) uh, It was Freeman. No, yeah, it was Freeman. It was...
0: I know it was Freeman, Farfan, and Trafford. I know Casira was yes. at left back. So you see, yes, now add, add a third player who didn't make that trip because he doesn't even appear on the subs list. And it makes you wonder now really why these guys didn't make that trip to begin with. So, we, you know, Miami FC lets in a fluky goal in minute four. And, and again, part of that could be from all of a sudden now you're matching bits and pieces in that back four again. Um but at the same time, you saw, I think you saw a lot of strong cohesion in the midfield. You saw a strong cohesion up top. And Miami FC had their chances. I think a lot of the issues uh, in this game, especially in the second half, were um, just seemed to be they were lacking that final touch. They were lacking that last little explosive touch, a last little explosive pass in order to you know break the gridlock here. Is that what you saw or did you think it was something different?
2: Uh yeah um I I want to comment on a couple things there um cause the first thing is uh we we had been told at the the watch party which we will talk about a little bit more um a little bit later um but we had been kind of informed uh at the watch party by some people uh with the team that there were a significant number of injuries at the back that specifically there were little nicks and and and, and issues with some of the players at the back including some that you mentioned that didn't play uh-huh. and. That's really unfortunate going into your first game of the right. season. Um, you know, like especially considering we spent a lot of time last week talking about how much we were looking forward to the back line finally having some co- cohesion this season after missing it much of last season. Um so knowing that that was that was a bit of a bummer. I will say what, what I what I thought I saw um the back line gave up that first goal. And it was it was it was It was miscommunication, and it was sloppy passing. However, generally after, say, minute 20, 25, I thought that for the most part, they did a much better job. I agree. Uh, And I will say that I think what we are going to see this year, I think what we saw kind of previewed um, in this game, and that that especially when we get back a fully healthy front line, um, I think we're going to see a team that really attempts to build from the back through passing, all the way through. And I think for much of last year, especially the spring season, I I remember coming on, even in July and August, when we were starting off, saying, what's the offensive identity? What are we trying to do on offense? What, what What are we working towards? I think after that first game, again, even though you only get one in, there were a number of really good opportunities that, as you said, Omar, they just weren't able to knock in. And I think that you you are starting to see a team that is developing an identity. Um, and, and I shouldn't say it that. That, that last year you started to see that identity being developed, and now you're seeing taking it to the next step. That you're able to go on the road and your game travels with you. That right. you you can see the development from the back again. Were there one or two moments where you're a little bit on your at the edge of your seat because you don't know if that pass is going to get off in time? <laughs> yes, but I think that's part of the. Again, I'll look the fool next week if we wind up letting in four goals like that. But I think that's part of the the system is you're, you're, you you're if you have confidence in your passing and confidence in your ability, you're going to be able to string those passes through and eventually some someone on the opposing defense is going to crack. You're going to find an opening, and they found a number of openings. They just weren't able to get it past uh, Brian Silvestri, who I thought had a really good game. Played yeah, he a strong game.
0: game. He stole a yes. point for North Carolina. Uh, yep. you know, Saturday night, he definitely stole one away, he stole two from Miami FC to be, you know, if we're going to be frank about this, you know, yes. I, I should have noticed, especially I should have made kind of the assumption when I saw Ryan Herman and Lionel Brown, both on the substitutes list. Cause normally you don't dress three goalies for a match. Um, right. And it's just kind of crazy. And you also saw that Nesta only made two changes. Now, this isn't something that we haven't seen before. This is something that's been clear. It's been something that Nesta has done previously where he will not use all three of his substitutions in a match. But at the same time, it did come across kind of odd that, you know, in a match where... Listen, uh, yes, the momentum was rocking back and forth, especially in the last 20 minutes or so. You saw North Carolina having a lot of possession. You had You had them uh, whipping crosses in from left and right, and, and Miami FC did a bang-up job to make sure to not let one in. Uh, Vega made a couple of crafty, crafty saves to make sure to secure the point for Miami FC, but I think even more so, you saw that the hindrance. Up the players and and the fact that there were knocks and injuries sustained by Miami FC that kind of forced their hand with regards to the formation um, everybody points to the fact that the formation was a four three three and it's normally Miami FC's formation of choice last uh, season was a four four two with a diamond in the middle. And Poku really played like a center forward this match. Poku wasn't, you know, in a num- in a traditional number ten role per se, um, you know, trying to get distribution from Ryan Lahood and, and Mars on his left hand side, but it was more so Richie Ryan pushing the pace, not necessarily being the outlet for the defense, but also trying to link you know, link the defense directly to the attack. And again, you know, once you have, you know, once you have those injuries and once you have, you know, uh, misconnection in, in, in kind of just the synchrony, Of your team because there's guys that are already used to playing with each other there's guys that you know more than likely train with each other more often than not and all of a sudden when you slot somebody new in that chemistry is going to be hampered just a bit but they're professionals this is you know professional soccer they do make up for it and then we saw them making up for it on the fly you know we're here at magic city soccer we're big on home wins and road draws so you know we're not going to sit here and 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 Hang our heads because we only got a point in North Carolina. It was a point well earned. Um, you know, now we'll look forward to moving towards New York and, and taking three points from New York. Uh,
2: absolutely, I, 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 of course, I would have wanted, um, I would have wanted uh, three points, and I think they played well enough to earn three points. But I don't think there's anything to really get too down in the dumps about. I will say, you know, last week we mentioned two names. I, I don't know if we mentioned both names last week or if one had been mentioned the week before. But uh, two names of two players that I I think had come up, and we said, wow, they really made a statement in the preseason in terms of kind of really stepping up um, and like kind of coming not out of nowhere, but out of out of uh, come c- taking a real next step kind of uh, uh, mm-hmm. move. Uh, Dylan Morris and and Roberto Baggio and, yep. and, and Kazira, and both of them played really well. They yes. were thrown into the starting lineup and played, and played exceptionally 90s. well. Uh, Maris had the assist on the goal. Uh, now it was kind of a clunky finish. Well, really, I think it was I mean,
0: actually it was credited to Pino, even though he technically had that first pass in. Believe it or not,
2: they gave the assist to
0: Pino. They gave the assist to Pino because if you remember the sequence, yeah. For those of you who didn't watch the game, Maris threw a pass into Poku. Poku had beat everybody, but basically blasted it into the keeper. Yeah. At which point the ball rebounds. Two, I mean, this is going to be the weirdest goal of the season. I already told the voice of Miami FC Bruce hmm. Silverman, in this that first game we got the weirdest goal of the year. Uh, Pino picks up the ball, slams it into Poku's back, and somehow the ball maintains there for Poku as he picks it up and is able to just fire this chip shot almost. This is kind of flutter ball into the back of the net. Um, so yeah, they actually gave it to Pino.
2: Okay, well, even then, the, the real, uh, the the, the the move that got, if, if it was hockey, uh, we might have a second he got assist the second on assist. this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: absolutely. Um, absolutely.
2: <laughs> because he really made a, a, a nice ball. Uh, he nearly put in a nice ball there uh, to kind of get things going. It was an absolute and, and just, great through ball. Yes, and and was present throughout his time on the field, which was full 90. Uh, he made his presence known. Roberto, Roberto Baggio, Becerra, playing it uh, towards the back, um, doing a good job there, coming forward and attack a bit sometimes. Um, again, those two guys who were not at all regular performers in the starting lineup, and this is not a Pino situation where you have a new player coming in. They were there last year. They just didn't play all that much. They're getting the call-up the first game of the year and you know really stood out among their peers. They, were, they did not hide. They were not kind of put to the side as like, okay, we've got to hide them. Uh, You know, away. they were given a big role and they answered the bell. I thought that was really impressive. I
0: thought it was impressive too. I guess my my we noticed that there was over six thousand people at Wake Med Soccer Park. So congratulations to the NCFC for um, I guess their rebuild or their rebranding. Um, Six thousand people for a a home opener, Division Two match. That's fantastic. It is it is definitely outstanding. Hopefully, we see them averaging those kinds of numbers the rest of the season. I think it'll go a long way to. Help securing the footing of the league should the attendance numbers continue to grow. With that respect, and and with respect to Mares, um, you actually beat me to the punch. and I was hoping that you would keep talking in order for me to pull up his game <laughs> log from last season because I'm I'm not sure how much how many minutes uh he was able to play for uh in the eleven last year, and I don't think we have a soccer reference uh as we do in some other sports in order to kind of just pick up that information real quick.
2: Yeah, I believe I said Mars was with the team last year. I, I that was a that was a mistake on my part. He was with Indy last year. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know if I don't know how much burn he got with Indy last year either. Um, uh, the fact that he, he's a, he's a he's a product of the universe of, of Indiana University, not the University okay. of Indiana. So
0: he, so he's a homegrown talent essentially for them, or he was.
2: Yes, yes, he he played some for Louisville and then transferred to Indiana to kind of play at home. Oh, uh,
0: he went he, to Louisville. We're gonna have problems, Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, we're going to have problems, Dylan. Why do you have problems at Louisville? I went to University of Kentucky for a little while. Really? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Calipari's my boy. Anyway, so as we were stalling, you see how that's how you do it, guys? It's Radio 101. You switch the subject. You allow time for the <laughs> crack research team to find the information they need, and you just stall out. Dylan Mars last year, 28 games played, started in 23 of them. We we made a note last se- uh, last episode about how many minutes Vega played. Dylan Mars played over two thousand minutes in the last NASL season.
2: Wow! I bite my tongue. My yeah. apologies, Dylan. <laughs>
0: dude, d- dude was a workhorse for yeah. the Indy eleven, and and we're looking forward to him being you know a workhorse for this Miami FC team as well this season.
2: Yes, absolutely. Keep it up. Keep it up. Um, you want to move forward to the Cosmos? Yes, let's please do. Um, so uh the the second game of the season the second road game of the season but i think a game that a lot of people have had circled on the calendar is the first of two games against the cosmos a home and away um we'll see a number of home and aways this year uh with the new NASL schedule uh we're going to see um Miami FC travel to Brooklyn yes is that's where Brooklyn the we're going to play? Coney Island man yes going to Coney Island playing nice and some
0: that- hot dogs
2: Yes, that really they're actually a really nice baseball stadium uh, there on Coney Island. That's uh, home of the, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Um, MCU but don't Park.
0: Get, don't get ahead of yourself. They're not playing on grass. Guess what field they're playing on?
2: Oh, they're rolling in turf, right? Oh, no, they're not rolling
0: just in any kind of turf. Guess whose <laughs> turf? Go ahead. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Rios turf from last season the the infamous notorious turf that had been stolen wait are are you are you for real i'm being serious if you look up the reports uh new york cosmos i, I guess the the question on the report is not whether or not it's the actual turf from okc but it's actually whether or not the turf was loaned to the cosmos or purchased by the cosmos but it may wow. have been loaned with uh, future considerations for purchase.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. I did not know that. That's remarkable. That's it's pretty hilarious. terrible.
0: It's pretty terrible if that's the case. And and you know what, though? <laughs> I, I don't blame uh, whoever the affiliate program is for the Brooklyn uh, Minor League team or the Brooklyn Minor League Club. Because, you know, if you're going to be playing matches, let's say, at least once every other week at home... That grass is going to be eaten alive. This is going to oh for sure, be torn apart. for sure. So I and also you don't want to play soccer on infield dirt, so you might as well lay turf over it, and you know, kind of get the best of both worlds as much as you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I honestly think it's a hell of a lot better than playing in Hofstra, uh, oh, which yeah, is out sure. of the way. You know, you're you're now in the actual New York. You know. <laughs> Listen, um, and,
0: you just gotta take the train. I mean you gotta take it about thirty-five stops from Manhattan, but you can get there on the subway. You don't have to take, you know, the four train or the five train out to, you know, Hempstead or, or, or out way out into Long Island.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, so I, I think it's um I think it's a pretty solid move. I am interested to see what it's going to look like there. I, I'm I'm actually going to be in New York um a couple of times. This summer, so I have to look if we have any road games against uh, the Cosmos because I, I may have to pop in and check it out. Um, but yeah, so uh, what's going to be interesting, especially over the the first few weeks of this season, is we're playing a lot of old rivals, but there are going to be a lot of new faces because of the upheaval that the league underwent. Whereas we are kind of the only team that really looks very similar to what we had last season so when you look at the Cosmos Omar I'll throw it to you first because I don't want to deal with this question first um, <laughs> what, what do you think that Miami FC will be kind of looking uh, for in this matchup
0: I think you're trying to exploit any opportunity you can in terms of lack of chemistry with this Cosmos group we did see that the Cosmos uh, played Puerto Rico this last week and actually got a nil-nil draw in Puerto Rico. Um, So it's pretty important, uh, I think, for Miami FC to push the tempo, push the pace, because as you mentioned, and something we're going to mention probably every episode moving forward, that Miami FC is way more stable than the NASL. Um, (laughs) It's important Hmm. to realize that the Cosmos were one of the teams that were directly affected uh, and and at at one point ceased operations. It seemed like so a yeah. lot of players didn't know what they were going to do, and many of them got contracts. Or took contracts where they could find them. So as I'm looking up and down this roster's lineup, I, I know Drew, who's not here with us today, is, is a really our NASL, you know statistician, our historian per se. I'm looking at this name, and I'm only seeing a couple names that stick out to me. Walter Ostrepo has signed with the Cosmos. Uh, Richard Menjivar, the only reason I know him is because he is an El Salvadorian national. Um... Amori as well has left, obviously, the Strikers and signed with the Cosmos. So mm-hmm. after that, I, I don't see really any familiar names. And, you know, I apologize for, for being blunt about it, but, you know, Brian Holt is another guy that I do remember. But if you look at the rosters, I'm sorry, if you look at the Cosmos roster on their website, half of the guys don't have photos next to their name, and that's telling.
2: Yeah, I will say um, I know one kind of uh, consistent figure um on this team is Jimmy Maurer. Um, They're
0: goalie, correct?
2: Yeah, the goalie. The goalie has been kind of a real uh, common thread uh, for that club. Um, uh, and even then, last year, I remember we lost to his backup when Maurer wasn't able to play. So, I, to me, the the big thing you take away from this game is, damn it, I want three points. And I know it's a road game, and I know all these other things. And it's the beginning of the season, but damn it, I want three points. Because it's the cosmos, and you feel like, especially now, you you may have them at a vulnerable position. Again, there are some, you know, even though there was all this upheaval, uh, Walter Restrepo is a a, a legit NASL player. Amari is a legit NASL player. Maurer is legit and has been with this team for a while. There is still a core there, you know, even though there all this difficulty right. did take place. There is still a core to be had, and. Yeah, I I, I want to go in, you know, to get a one-one draw at Puerto Rico or, or nil-nil draw, right? La, I think I game?
0: believe it was nil-nil no, no, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, so to have this to, to see that in their first game, I feel like there may be some 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 opportunity for Miami FC. And if you're to go up there and lose two nothing, uh, you know, again, it, even though you kind of have similar, somewhat similar situation, although not as severe as what the Cosmos are facing. Even though you're still kind of, everyone's starting the season and you're new and you might be vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. Right. You, you might have the opportunity to have your foot on their throat. You need to take the kill shot. You need to hit the, the knockout blow here and kind of establish that the old order is the Cosmos, the new order is Miami FC. And if you go in there and you lose this game, now there's all this pressure on the home opener – and it's just not a place you want to be. You don't want to be in that place two weeks into the season.
0: No, I agree. Amari seemed to – I'm looking at their starting lineup for last week. Amari seemed to have gotten into the lineup. Obviously, more was in between the pipes. Mancini got in. Ayose got in. So I'm looking at some of these names, and and the more I'm looking at them, the more familiar they seem. There are some notable absences uh, from the Cosmos lineup. One of them being Lucky is no longer with the squad uh, we yes. saw moving forward, and, and Lucky was – Know, for lack of better words, a thorn. He was unlucky for us. He was a thorn Hmm. in our sides uh, consistently throughout the season. Uh, And as you said, it's important to lay down the gauntlet to the Cosmos and and the Cosmo fan base now that you guys are the old guard. and, and, And the fact that you guys have had some upheaval and some disorganization in the offseason needs to be taken advantage of and needs to be proven uh that that we are the top dog in the nasl this season and and what better way to do that than to take out the former top dog
2: yeah i think this is a big game for being the second game of the year um i honestly think that this is kind of a more important more significant game than even the season opener um you know because playing play north carolina is, is always good they are a staple of NASL year-to-year. Year, they're usually pretty stable um, and consistent, even though last year their performance was a bit up and down. Um, you know, to go in there and, and get a draw even, that's fine. You know, just kind of get your footing, get get your, your sea legs under you and get ready for the season. But now this game, again, this has the feeling of the first round of a heavyweight, you know, a heavyweight battle, uh, and you don't want to be the one to take a big punch early on, and, and all of a sudden you're chasing for the rest of the match. So Miami FC sh- should want to be in the advantageous position going forward. Um, and, and
0: also keep in mind that this is going to be uh, a more sizable crowd, in, in my at least in my opinion, with regards to what we played at North Carolina. The reason I say that is because the Cosmos have stolen a little bit of the Miami FC magic, and they have booked a halftime concert uh, for their homecoming game. I'm sorry for the home opening game. Um, And as you mentioned, they're playing in Coley Island at MCU park. And a lot of Cosmos fans took the internet to mention how that park was everything that Hofstra lacked in terms of food, in terms of concession, in terms of things to do in the area, uh, in terms of seats and, and their comfort level. So, I would imagine that the Cosmos would be a little bit better of a draw here. I think it's your definitely cheap alternative in New York City to uh, the Red Bulls and New York City FC, uh, and, and really MLS ticket prices. If if you can't afford it, if you just don't have the means, um, and you still want to watch top quality soccer, you know, more than likely the Cosmos will be that cheaper alternative for you. But like, I don't live in New York, so let me not you know let me not blow too much smoke in that direction. <laughs>
2: You know, I will say I think our policy all, all across the board here is we want nice big crowds to be beaten. Uh, we we have no problem with, you know, a good uh, attendance rivalry and seeing other clubs have big attendance numbers because uh, that's good for the league. Um, but we want to send all those people home unhappy. And oh, yeah. We want 305.
0: Yeah, listen, man. I want you to get back on the subway and be miserable that you spent your money on to that game. I want you to curse <laughs> the fact that you went and I want you to make sure that you say out loud to yourself, even if you don't mean it. I'm never coming back here
2: again. <laughs> and then, of course, we want you to come back again. Right, of course, but, of course, of course. Yeah, but just for,
0: just for that subway ride, I want you to think, oh, what a waste.
2: Yes. Well, um,
0: one big thing, and, and the reason why we're pushing attendance numbers is uh, I think there's going to be a big – it's not going to be a franchise-based um, – rivalry, but I think it's going to be a fan-based rivalry with the old guard of the NESL and and the new up-and-comers of the USL, and I think average attendance across the league is going to be something that's going to be looked at, not only by fan bases, not only by franchises, but also by you know, the brass uh, at the U.S. Soccer Federation. And one thing that we noticed in in week one is that, you know, granted there were only three NESL matches played because every week it seems, uh, for most weeks, it's going to seem like two teams will have a week off, especially in the spring season. But the NESL on average outdrew the USL by 800 uh, 800 home spectators. That being said, Please keep in mind the fact that I'm not trying to like blow smoke. I'm not trying to sit here and, and and say that the NASL has the strong 800 person lead over the USL. No, because I'm aware that it's an average. I'm also aware that FC Cincinnati will draw 20,000 for their home opener, and Sounders Tour will draw maybe less than a thousand. Right. So I'm not mistaken. I'm not even trying to sit here and and start a civil war in Division Two. But I think it's going to be something a little worth a little more than bragging rights, in the sense that you will have brass looking at which teams will, uh, I'm sorry, which league will garner a better percentage in terms of uh, ticket sales and fan bases. Not necessarily raw numbers, because like you, like we just mentioned, you know, FC Cincinnati is going to draw 20,000 every game. Let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, even sacramento sacramento was a surprising number i wasn't surprised actually i was incredibly surprised to see that sacramento uh, drew as big as they did i'm looking for the exact number oh yeah
2: they uh, 11,514 oh, last pff, year that was their
0: get average. Out of here. yeah get out of here that's crazy you know what i'm saying especially when you're only a 2 hour drive now from san francisco uh, at ksr stadium for the san francisco deltas and at the same time you're a two you're the same 2 hour drive uh, to san jose Uh, to watch an Earthquakes match. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think something that should really help out the NASL uh, would be if these rumored expansion teams really do announce here in the next calendar month or so. Um, But we can get into that at a
2: different time. Yeah. So, um, I agree with you, Omar. I think that, you know, especially more than more than in previous years attendance is going to be a number that everyone keeps an eye on and it's going to be less to like point out failures of other clubs in our league but more to right. kind of puff up our league and and try to take down the USL whenever possible because we there is this kind of dueling banjo scenario where one of these two leagues is likely going to maintain division 2 status after the next 2 years right um so you know you're kind of rooting on everyone to make sure you you know it's kind of like election day you're you're knocking on every door and you're looking under every you know bar stool and trying to figure out hey we need to get people to go let's round up people um so I think that's definitely something gonna be that's gonna keep, keep an eye on there's no doubt that when you look at Louisville and when you look at Sacramento they are unqualified successes uh, for right. uh, uh, in Cincinnati uh, as well unqualified successes and you know there's no knocking it or trying to like oh well what Actually, there it's not that good. No, it's it's obvious. You'd be an idiot to say otherwise. Right. Um, but the overall league is not just those two or three teams. And like you said, there's you know for every Cincinnati, there's an Orlando City too, or there's exactly. a, a Sounders too. And and so the whole story does need to be told. Now, um, the NAL doesn't have second uh, you know a second tier teams, B teams. It also doesn't have any teams in any really kind of uh unpopulated areas uh most Correct. of the teams are are in in pretty much major markets, so that Correct. should be an advantage going forward um including the proposed expansion teams that 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 you mentioned um right. it's going to be very interesting in the next six months the moves that the n a s l will attempt to make as you said there's been a lot of talk about possible expansion in Chicago possible expansion in san diego uh, and it's going to be interesting because honestly these are things we've been talking about for 6 months or a year or longer uh where the NASL needed to have a longer term plan for expansion and and it was always a lot of talk and not a lot of action
3: right.
2: and and now it appears we're starting to get that action but you hope it's not too late that you know the 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 horse isn't yet out of the barn um but it, it's going to be interesting to see And like I said, attendance is going to be one of the kind of vital signs that we'll be keeping an eye on this year. Uh, NASL attendance took a step back last season, generally, compared to the season before, uh, across most markets. And so this year, when you look at, um, you know, compared to the average from the previous season, uh, I I believe we were looking at the same graphics, that uh, NASL attendance was up about 11% compared to last year, and USL was up about 30%. So... You know, a, a rising tide raises all boats, if if that's the case throughout the year. Um, great. You know what I mean? I think everyone can live with that. Uh, but you don't want to backslide any farther compared to the USL. And the USL, if there's a USL podcast or a team for a USL team, a team podcast out there, I'm sure they're saying the same exact thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And the reason I brought up the rumor was... Bob Williams, uh at Williams Bob Seventy Five, who is a uh English based uh soccer reporter who seems to cover a lot of soccer across his version of the pond. I mean, covers a lot of stateside soccer, uh, on his Twitter account. He was the one who mentioned that NESL uh has really quite a few teams that seem to be ready to go. Uh teams that, that seem to make be making strong uh Strong pitches towards Commissioner Segal, and it, it really does make you wonder what those markets are. I saw a Twitter account the other day that said Oakland, and I immediately had to tweet them and say, well, you're going to call yourself, you know, the Oakland Pirates and, and we're silver and black kits now with the recent announcement that, you know, the Raiders are moving to Vegas. And, uh, you know, previously on the podcast, we said, look, you might want to beat MLS into Vegas. And, you know, so San Diego, Chicago, um, you know, Vegas might might hopefully be another city, um, but again, just to reference very quickly, if you look at the cities that that matt mentioned that are the three major gets for the u s l these are independent teams they don't have development you know they don't have development players in the sense that these are guys that are signed to mlS contracts and being loaned to u s l and also they' are in markets that don't have a pro sports or i guess how should i say major four sport monopoly um if you look at louisville really the only competition you have in louisville is the university of louisville there is no professional sports team in kentucky cincinnati yeah you got to fight the reds uh and you also have to fight the bengals but guess what you don't compete against the bengals because your season is pretty much over as american football season starting and in sacramento you just have to compete against the lowly kings and, and realistically speaking that's you know that that's that's an easy, you know, competition for lack of better yeah. words.
2: It's it's not exactly a you know a knockout drag out fight. Exactly <laughs> compared to what the what the Kings have been kind of dealing with the last few years. Um, but yeah, so I think that's that's definitely something that will be a hot topic of conversation uh, over the next few weeks and months to see because there is kind of a story beyond the regular story of the week to week developments of the league. But the actual overall health of the league. And um yeah, so um uh, that'll be interesting going forward. And I do want to say I, I've been made aware that uh, Rishi Segal, the the interim commissioner of the league, um is, is 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 has some roots in South Florida, has some connection to South Florida, and is a Liverpool fan. Oh um, god. So I'm putting out the oh. official call to the commissioner. We are ready, able, and willing to have you here as a You're special ready, guest able, on Magic City Soccer I will boot Omar the heck out of here for That's that fine. episode. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> we will get him up out of here, clear <laughs> the paint. I think Drew will be fine. Um, uh, you know, I don't think the, the animosity is that deep. But, but uh, putting out an open call, uh, we've heard from uh, uh, Miami FC uh, C- uh, CEO um, Sean Flynn that he is interested in coming on, and we, that is currently uh, in the works. Um, so we, uh, speaking of which, and and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback for these interviews that we've had over the last few weeks. Again, people have said it's the most professional we've sounded, uh, in months. (laughs) It's
0: easy compared to the last episode.
2: Yes, this is true. Um, so, seems as good a time as any. We have a little bit more material from the interviews that we were able to have done right after the last, um, the last preseason game where, uh, Lee Ifens and Drew Hausman were out there, um at St. Thomas, and uh, we'll have one more to give to you before the big home opener next week, but we have one with Mason Trafford, um, who's kind of a cult uh, hero, a cult fan of some members of the Day Brigade, particularly those who have a Welsh accent, Um, but Mason is a key part of the team, and uh, Lee got a chance to speak to him, Um, so let's take a listen to that, and then we'll come back and kind of bring this in for a landing.
3: Here now with uh, Mason Trafford, um, 2016 Brit Brigade player of the season. Um, so Mason, great uh, great end to the preseason. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling now going into the game next week?
1: I think that was a perfect way to sort of cap it off, a good preseason with 3-0. So I think we have some confidence now going into North Carolina. We feel good. We have, we have the squad to do to do big things this year.
3: Okay. So um, away from football, Mason Trafford, the guy, the man, what would you like to do in your spare time?
1: Uh... I hang out with the boys, and as you know, as we met, talked about before, I have a business soccer shape going now. So we have, we spend a lot of time on that. Johnny and Rhett and I, and uh, there's always time for the wife as well. I like to to read, and uh, go for dinner and, and cook, and all that kind of fun normal stuff.
3: So so the guy the guys you were like all hang out together. There, there's always going to be little cliques. So like so, who's in your little crew?
1: My crew would be. Well, it is true that everybody on Miami AC get along really well, to be fair. Of course. There's not, like, any groups that people are like, oh, stay away from those guys. No mean girls. Yeah, it's (laughs) no mean girls stuff. But uh, the guys I hang out with most are Rhett, Johnny, Gabe, Richie, Ryan,
3: eh, Blake yeah Yeah, so um so herman ryan herman Herman. Herman. okay so um (laughs) an an asl a lot of traveling last
1: last year i got in trouble for that because somebody said who are my boys on the team and i left out richie ryan and it was a big ordeal i had a very sad face from richie when he read the article and he said oh thanks man we've been friends for two years in ottawa so i have to really be careful when you ask these types of
3: questions i'm not gonna set you up to fail so NASL, asl a lot of traveling who's the one player you don't want to be stuck next to on the plane hmm
1: good question Player or coach? What? You give his <laughs> You get stuck next to Ruby, you're going to have your ear beat. You're going to talk <laughs> tactics for three hours on the way up to New York. Um, player? Yeah. Well, who's the
3: best? Who's got the best jokes? Who's, who do you want to like be next to? to make if the- you're stuck the- but,
1: let's put it this way. If you're stuck between Gabe on your left and Blake on your right, you're not getting any sleep because those two are going to be goofing around, playing pranks, joking around for as long as the flight is. They're like two... 10 year old kids like that two brothers that just love like playing around with each other
3: blake smith right one of my favorite players up and down that left flank the whole yeah. time like in training is he a nightmare to keep up with
1: yeah he's he's got both uh, an unbelievable engine he can run forever and he's also quick so just when you think the guy's tiring he's still got another another few liters in the tank so he is a, he's a nightmare yeah
3: and uh, the soccer shape just one last question about that um when's the next one when can we expect it where can we go to get updates and news
1: okay you can follow us on instagram social media at soccer shape which is a good way good way to get updates also we have our first ever official training session on april 5th wednesday night six thirty p.m urban soccer 5 which is on northwest 71st street it's gonna be a lot of fun
3: that's gonna be a lot of fun just two days before my birthday as well so there'll be an after oh, party somewhere party. thank we do you parties. very much we do parties. thank you very much mason nice,
2: so, good to hear from Mason, again, as we're, we're getting pride ramped up for Beach. the season. Yes, the pride of Boynton Beach. <laughs> Sorry, so, Mason. So, um, one thing I did want to discuss regarding the, the last game um, was the watch party. Um, Omar was in Orlando, and I will relay the message on behalf of Lee. That's a fine. Um, oh, get out of here, man. <laughs> it sounded I, like
0: Orlando City was playing. Get out of here.
2: I'm the consigliere for uh, Lee. I handle all the business face-to-face. Bastard. Um, he was anyway, supposed to be on this episode. He could have said it himself. I know. I know. He he didn't, he didn't want to have to do the dirty work. I do the heavy yeah, lifting. Um, but the watch party, I have to say, um, I thought it was a rousing success. And this is not just me coming on and you know, being Baghdad Bob and saying everything's great. And No, we've had watch parties before where they were – I mean I think all of our watch parties are always very fun and – get to watch the team and hang out. Um, but we did something different this year, and it's something that I think we're going to try to start doing. I don't want to speak on behalf of Drew who right I was overseeing the Day Brigade, but um, we went to Tavern, which was the first time we had basically been outside of Fritz and Franz for a watch party. Um, and it was the first time I had been in Tavern in a decade uh, because going being a student at the University of Miami, I had some preconceived notions about Tavern, basically regarding frat guys who were pretty big jerks, Judging um, a book so, by its cover, yes. Yeah, so, well, I had been to Tavern once for literally five minutes on my twenty first birthday. I had a drink to say I had a drink, and then left, and that was that. <laughs> and so, I had been. Uh, I I saw that the, the the event was scheduled for Tavern, and I was like, oh boy, really? What what's happening there? Why would we want that? And and Drew was like, just go along with it. Just try it out. It should be fine. Um, Moral stories, trust Drew. Because uh, we got there about, I think oh, it was 7.30, I think we got there about 6.30, and it was it was kind of empty, but we again, we were there early, uh, some people from Miami FC came in probably about 10 minutes after us, we we kind of sat up towards the back of the bar, and there were these other events that were happening and coming in, there was like a birthday party and all this stuff, and for, for a little bit I was a little bit concerned because I was like, oh, well this is going to be awkward, because, you know, like, great, we're going to be these kind of, this little group over here watching soccer, everyone else is going to be like, what the hell are these people doing? Uh, It was great. It was great. And, and, you know, there was some discussion about there was an audio of the game. And a lot of times that's kind of a deal breaker because people insist on hearing the commentary. And it was a bummer not to hear Bruce. Um, But we did see him. I took a picture and posted it to Twitter that we were we were on the big stage because we were on my 33. Um, But it was great because we had so many people who were like, what's this all about? What's going on here? I mean, I must have had three or four people come up and and ask me. And thankfully, I didn't get the question, is this Beckham's team? Didn't get that question. But it was just people who were curious because they saw – and we had a pretty – I would say a pretty sizable crowd. I mean, it was the first game of the season, so you would hope so. But we had a pretty legit-sized crowd, and so we got some people's attention. And, you know, some people were kind of like, what the hell's going on, and stayed away. But a lot of people were intrigued by it. And when we started up some chants, some people who very clearly weren't part of our group were getting involved in it. I talked to two or three people that were like, yeah, when's the next game? And, and you know, and I realized that that's actually probably a great way to go about doing these watch parties instead oh, of yeah. having like a set place and we always go there. Kind of doing kind of like a week-by-week week bar crawl, getting to different parts of the city and getting to know different groups of people. And, you know, you know, maybe we don't do 20 different bars for 20 different games, but to have kind of different rotation going on, I thought it was really great. And I went to Drew right afterwards, and, 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 and as we know, Drew's very kind of, you know, uh, he, he stays medium. I, I feel like he stays pretty reasonable generally when he's, when he's kind of looking at things. And I, I think so too, but he was like, yeah, what would you think, What you know, what, how, how do you think it went? And I thought it was pretty good, and I was like, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was an, an unquestionable success and so again i'm not i'm not just like coming on and and you know looking for a way to like say something positive about day brigade or the team i just think it was a really well done event that was it was less like oh look at all these things we're doing and all these different wheels in motion it was just like hey we're gonna go watch the game and take the game to people and have fun and they'll see that we're having fun and want to get involved i really enjoyed it
0: i think that's going to be the key uh, for this season's attendance success, uh, not only you know for uh, you know supporter enrollment, but also for the team itself. I think you know they're all a bus bench. And, uh, and, and you know, an advertisement on the sign of a bus or on the side of the metro is only going to get you so much. I think it's really important to try to engage the community and, and do what you said necessarily. Yes, we don't have to go to 20 different bars, but uh, we do have a second match. And we were previewing the Cosmos games just a second ago. That match will take place on the 1st of April, which is going to be this coming Saturday. And we're going to, is it the 1st or the 2nd? It's the 1st, right?
2: I believe it's the first, yes, sir. Yeah, I believe it's
0: the first too. I don't know why I was thinking the second off the top of my head. But the game will be at seven o'clock. We'll be a bruise room, the new bruise room located on eighty second Avenue and Bird Road. Um and, and, and it'll be a good time because all of a sudden now, you know, you you've already made contact with the Coconut Grove community. Now we're gonna be taking it to Westchester. And and we're gonna keep it moving, especially in all these away games. Um and, and, and try to keep engaging as many people as you can because that the the person to person engagement will do so much more than any bus, any yard sign, any um you know, any any kind of billboard. Once you have People seeing people who support the team, seeing fans, being able to talk to fans, being able to talk to them about the sport, you're going to get that, you know, that that real connection uh, with people who haven't been fans, haven't been to a game before. And it's going to go a long way, not only for the season, but for the culture, for the environment around the the club. And I I think it's really important. And if we can figure out how to get, you know, another watch party in Kendall, you know, maybe one in East Kendall, one in West Kendall. take one down to Homestead, you know, put one in Doral at some point and, and just really engage as many people as possible. And, and you'll never know, maybe by the time that the fall season opener comes, we'll have 15,000.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, <clears throat> the idea, like, I still remember the first time I saw that Miami FC uh, ad on that billboard. Um, actually, it was on the side of a Metro rail. Uh, train and it was like oh wow that it's a real thing you know what I mean like it 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 right, it's that's happening. a real yes it's happening <laughs> you know the gif of uh uh, ran, uh, you know, uh uh Ron Paul waving his hands in the air <laughs> to be with this. it's happening um that was really important I feel like to connect with people who are who were aware of the team but since they hadn't played like what is this what's gonna happen when you saw it it's like oh crap it's happening it's, uh, let's go right. but yeah I definitely think this is kind of like a stage two where it's like all right well now. We all know what's happening. You know, we made it through the the winter literally and proverbially in terms of like the status of the league. Now we got to take the people. Yeah, I know. I try I try, I try to stick with my, uh, <laughs> my 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 literary podcasting game. Oh, no, um, no.
0: Listen, we're going to end up getting the commissioner on a podcast and he's going to be like, "Can you guys stop doing this? Can you stop <laughs> mentioning how How in turmoil the league was for a couple months there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know it's 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 a fact, and it's good to recognize it and see that there is like I I feel the league is is you know you cut some of the fat. I feel like, and and it's unfortunate for you know Rio and Fort Lauderdale should not have been in the situation it is, and I think ultimately it will it will at some point reemerge and be healthy as it should be, but. You know, sometimes you got to get lean to get mean, and um, and I think that's what the league is rightfully doing, in in a, expanding in a wise way and not in a rushed way. Um, yep, don't so.
0: you know, Lesson learned: don't play with traffic.
2: Yes, agreed. Do not <laughs> play in traffic.
0: So, uh, uh, real quick, just to before we we, we close up shop here. Um, for those of you that did not watch the U.S. national team take on Honduras, uh, boy, what were you doing? What were you doing Saturday night? That's 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 not fun at all. Yeah. Well, that um, boy, the game was a barn burner, man. Six zero. I mean, it was the Christian Pulisic, you know, breaking out party. You know where? You know what I need you to do? Uh, play for me right there. the that song. I'm coming out. Bum, bum. I want the world to know. You got you to play that there in for me. Christian Pulisic absolutely having, I mean, I don't want to say game of his life because we have so many more games to enjoy uh, from him. But at the same time, you're absolutely making Honduras look like a squad that should have not been in the final uh, stage of CONCACAF qualifying. Uh, Clint Dempsey is what Clint Dempsey does, what Clint Dempsey will always do, is uh, getting a hat trick. And you know what, Matt? That free kick that he scored is overshadowed by the fact that the USA won six zero. Because that free kick was outstanding. If this was a yeah, one was. a one nil match, a two nil match, you know, a two one, a three one, that would have been the top play across the board. You would have had stories written about that kick. However, because it was six zero, it gets lost, you know, in the tidal wave of that match.
2: Yep. Yep, that was It was, I I forget who I had this conversation with, but I, I missed the first 10 minutes and the first five minutes after the half. And oh. I basically missed the whole game. <laughs> it's like, you miss
0: you miss <laughs> Sebastian Legg, unfortunately. Seems like he, he suffered a fracture in his foot. He's gonna require surgery, he's gonna be out uh for yeah. the galaxy for four to six months. Uh so that's that's brutal. We wish him a speedy recovery. Um and, and you miss Christian's Polisic. Uh just his <laughs> Yo, match started. Oh, I'm gonna go score a goal now, I'll be right back.
2: Yep. Yep. It was as though they knew I was I was away, and so they decided to, you know, I was away and so they will play and have fun. Um but that's fine. If that's all it takes, you know, for the U.S. national team to win by six every game, I will never watch again. I'll just follow. I'll follow along on Twitter after the fact and see what happened. Um, I'll make the sacrifice. A L- little but, bit of
0: prediction radio. What are you What are you thinking for? Well, remember we're recording on Tuesday night. It's currently about five minutes before kickoff. Um, what are you predicting for tonight's game? What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I think, God, it's, it's very hard for me to be like, yeah, we're going to go in and win 6-0. I mean, we're not going <laughs> to win 6-0 again, but it, it's always hard for me, especially the last, you know, year, to really right. be like, yeah, I think the U.S. men's National team is definitely going to win. Um, but I don't know. I, I think we'll know a lot after the first 30. Right. Um, that'll be my prediction. I think if, if, if the U.S. men's National team kind of shot their shot in the last game and, they're kind of struggling along, then we might know how this game is gonna go going yeah. forward because I don't know if they'll be able to after that performance kick it into another gear. I think if they have the gear they'll have it from the jump and so if if they score the first goal and they score it early, I think they'll have good control of the match um but uh yeah it's it's tough to predict you know you got a new manager you want you know he he is very clearly changing things and I think there right. are some things to be. Said critically about bringing Bruce Arena back, and I think there are some things obviously in a positive way to say about bringing him back. Correct. You know, I had the, I figured who I had the conversation with, but I was like, I just I wish you could bring Klinsman back as like the the technical director or overseer, like player scouting and 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 development. Yeah, I guess. But player then, acquisition for a national. Yes, player acquisition—that's a good right. way to put it. Um, and then just have Bruce coach him, because I feel yeah. like Bruce is an excellent coach, but I worry about kind of the future of the developmental program. Right. Um, but Klinsman, while he's great with development, is has never really been a good coach. Um right. And 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 pretty much anywhere he's been, there there's always been that one kind of knock on him. And so you just wonder if you could just fuse them together, you might have kind of the perfect person for the job. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, you, Bruce.
0: So after all this, you still haven't given me a score though. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll say two one USA.
0: Alright, you're going along the same lines as I am, I'm thinking here. Um, starting 11 has been announced. Howard will be again in between the pipes. Um, Villafana, uh, Reem, Gonzalez, and Susie. Brooks seems to have been sick. It uh, was not an injury. His weird, um, almost, I don't want to say collapse, but he just couldn't get back on his feet uh, at the end of the last game. Uh, so Tim Reem, Fulham's Tim Reem is going to be playing uh, in Brooks' position. Gonzalez will stay as a center back. And that's one thing you notice. When Klinsman was the manager of the United States national team, he didn't even sniff Omar Gonzalez's way. And since Bruce Arena has come back, you've seen Omar Gonzalez come back into the fold. Uh, Susie will get the start. Polistic Bradley in the middle as well. Jermaine Jones looking to be coming in for the Sebastian Leggett. Um Makes me wonder what happened to Alejandro Bedoya. Uh Nagby as well will be getting the start. Uh, Dempsey and Altidore up top. No changes at the top. Um, this is a team that is hampered with injuries. Obviously, Bobby Wood, Fabian Johnson, the two most notable uh, you know, not available for the squad during this set of qualifiers. Um, as you mentioned, I don't know if there's going to be another gear for the U.S. national team. I, I think six zero is that, you know, we're, we're redlining the engine here. We're giving it all we have. Um, I would hope, and listen, I would love to say this is going to be another eight zero match. I, I don't think it's going to be a thing. Hmm. I think, I do think this, though. The biggest obstacle that the U.S. team has to face tonight is themselves. Um if you come out and you dictate play, you will win the match and you will win by two or three goals. If you allow Panama to dictate control of the match, you are going to have a tie. Uh, most books have this match. Had them early on as a pick Uh Slowly, you see the United States... The line moved the United States' favor uh, by half a goal, essentially, meaning the United States has to win the match uh, in order to win your bet. But at the same time, I I do think the USA gets the job done and does move in to uh, second place now after Honduras. uh, I guess they were angry and and they took a point away from Costa Rica um, and and really had to lead the entire match. They seemed to give up a late goal to let Costa Rica steal a point from them. So um, we'll see how it goes. Quick shout-out to Matt Van Eckel, FC Edmonton's the NASL's former goalkeeper, uh, goal people, goalkeeper, Matt Van Echel, uh made the MLS. Goalkeepers are
2: goal people, too.
0: <laughs> he made the MLS uh, Team of the Week uh, for his start for Real Lake last week. So, shout out to Matt, MVO.
2: Good looking out. Good looking out for, for the league there. Um, I think that'll do it, yes? I, I think we got to go watch it. this game now. Yep. Yeah, let's hit the road. Um, Omar, it's been good talking to you, pal. I think the two-man show, pretty it's solid. It's been good,
0: man. I, I had the Drew. We had the Drew and Omar episode last uh, last season. Now we have the the Matt and Omar episode. And I know you two have done a bunch of episodes together, so it, it's fun. You and I. I think we we we, we manned the ship pretty well.
2: I think so too. And that's uh, ship so, with a
0: P, not with a T. Yeah,
2: yeah. The, 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 I think this episode is better. Watch us Much now. More. We're going to release it tomorrow. Everyone's going to say, "Oh, this is shit. So that is boring." <laughs> they is talked about Asian Cup qualifying for ten minutes at the start. Ugh. Oh, those now, bastards. I, I thought I thought that was a good show, jolly good show. Uh, so we will be in touch next week, hopefully after a big three points uh, from Miami FC. Uh, Omar, thank you, sir.
0: Hey, man. Always a pleasure.
2: For Omar, I'm Matthew Bunch. Uh, Omar Mubayat on Twitter. Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer.
0: Um, Wait, you just I, said our names, but you didn't say our handles.
2: Uh, what's your handle?
0: Mubayat11, U B A Y. Oh, that's right. 11
2: yes and my handle is matthewsbunch um oh, so that was pretty straightforward um <laughs> at magic city soccer on twitter are we still accepting entries uh, we're still for... accepting
0: entries we're going to be accepting entries until saturday after the match is over guys there's a still a lot of really good miami uh-esque things that you can put on a jersey in order to win yourself two free tickets to the miami fc home opener so please make sure Please make sure. Listen, I'm going to be honest. We don't want to give it to a Date Brigade member. We'd rather give it to somebody who is not associated with Date Brigade. We'd rather give it to somebody who's never been to a match before because I, th- I think, you know, that would be fantastic. Um, but, yes, there's still a lot of Miami things that you can choose to put on front of a jersey, and uh, we will have an answer for you more than likely by our next podcast.
2: Love it, love it, love it. So, yeah, we've had some good entries, but the contest is very much still open um, so, yeah, your ideas for best shirt sponsor, um, be, be, most Miami shirt sponsor. That's the ability to put it. Most Miami go. shirt sponsor. Um, a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones, man. So many good ones. Um, but get in before the end of the game on Saturday at Magic City Soccer or Magic City Soccer on Facebook. We are now we now have a Facebook presence as well. So check us out there. Either place you can enter. Either place you can win. All right, let's wrap this up. He's been Omar. Ivan, Matthew Bunch. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer.
0: Hey, FC Search, we're waiting on that response. We need that gear.